0: Okay, church, if you're turning your Bible to Luke chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 20 today. Luke 3, 15 through 20, as we're taking a look once again at John the Baptist. <clears throat> the title of the message is We Need More Johns. We Need More Johns. And so, Luke 3, 15 through 20. Now, while the people, people were in a state of expectation, And all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ. John answered and said to them, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached the gospel to the people. But when Herod the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the wicked things which Herod had done, Herod also added this to them all. He locked up John. Here he locked John up in prison. Father, we thank you for your Son. Today, Lord, we thank you for our redemption that is in him. Father, we thank you for salvation, God, that You've given us so that we could escape that place that John spoke of last week in the text, the wrath to come. Lord, we thank You for rescuing us. Father, I just ask, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would help me today. I pray that You would, Lord, just give Your people ears to hear Your Word today, to receive Your Word. Father, may we all receive it with hearts ready to obey. Father, may, may Christ be glorified today in this place and, and in our lives, Father, And Lord, may we we be doers of the word, and Lord, may your will be done. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. So expectation in verse 15, it says, now while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ. So there, it says that there was a state of expectation amongst the people I think you can see this we can see this expectation that's just you can say it's in the air, I guess, in the, the within the people of, of those of that of that time period in that part of the world. You can see it in Luke Luke one in verse seventy six through seventy nine in Zacharias, who's John the Baptist's father, and his prophecy. You can see this expectation and this prophecy that he makes. He says a new child will be called prophet of the most high. You will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God with with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. To shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. So So you can see this expectation with Zacharias. You can also see it with... Simeon and Anna, who we looked at a few weeks ago in chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was righteous and devout. He was looking for the consolation of Israel the Holy, and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Again, expectation of the Messiah. Their expectantness. And Anna in verse 38, godly Anna, who we looked at. That very moment she, Anna, came up and began giving thanks to God, continued to speak of Him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So no doubt, there was an expectation in the air. And, and, and obviously these are just three individuals, but these are three godly Jews we looked at, but obviously there have been others expecting. It says the crowds, There's an expectation. There's an anticipation. And you know, I think that's just the reality when you're, when you're dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it, it creates a, uh, a certain expectation. It, it creates a, a buzz in the air. That's, that's what I picture out here. Imagine, can you just see John preaching to the crowds and people coming out to hear him and the, the buzz that must have been in the air as this expectation that, man, the Messiah is coming. Um, but this was, a, you know, this was a good buzz, you could say, for lack of a better word. This was a good buzz because of who Christ is. Right? Jesus saves sinners. We should, we should get excited about Christ. We should have expectation when we come into the house of the Lord, when we hear the Word of God preached, when, when we think about Christ. Because it's Christ who saves sinners. It's Christ who causes the blind to see. I mean, we can see stories in the Bible where He, where he caused those who were physically blind to see. But He does that with the spiritually blind as well. He creates a buzz in the air because of who He is. Certain people flock to Christ to praise Him, to recognize Him for who He is. Others to curse Him. But there's always a buzz in the air. Just when, you, when, you're, when you're around a group of guys, maybe at work, and you mention the name of Jesus Christ, you can feel it in the air. There's some kind of electricity. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But it's a, he's, it's a name like no other name. And so there's this expectation and uh, we, we experienced a little bit of that Thursday at the bus station, I think. Just, a, just kind of a buzz in the air when His name was proclaimed. Because uh, obviously there was, I had many people walk by me and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that you're out here. Because you're not out there just, you know, just uh, talking about yourself or, or out there, you know, selling something. You're, you're proclaiming the name of Christ. And so when that happens, things happen. And so we had several people walk by Him like we do and thank us that we're out there and praise God glad you're here Jesus but as uh, Joshua said the other day the devil was there too on Thursday <laughs> there was there was just that kind of a presence there there was a buzz in the air it was glorious because because there's really no neutrality with Jesus Christ you know you're either for him or against him sometimes in our culture uh, that's harder to see there's so much apathy where we live But but I really like it whenever there's a There's a clear distinction. It's like you can tell who's for Jesus and who's not. And that's kind of what we experience today. Um, Because you have to remember, guys, on a serious note, the devil was there. Demons are there. Demons are uh, influencing the ungodly world and they hate his word. They hate his word and they, they they know the one whom we preach, right? You see that in the scriptures. Jesus, Son of the Most High, Son of God, don't torment us. Before the time has come, so so this is just a good picture of this. When I see this word expectation in John's preaching, and there's just there's a certain expectation of the Messiah coming on the scene, and so that's what we're going to see today. We're going to look at we're going to look at really it's our last day really dealing with John. Uh, I love preaching about John the Baptist because he's such a just such a God used him in such a mighty way, so. So we get one more week of John today. Um, that's why I entitled the message. As I as I look through this, I just uh, am thankful for John the Baptist. I just admire—I um, don't know if that's the right word—but just the way the Lord used John and who he was. He was a great man. That's what the Scripture said, God said he's great, and so we need more Johns. and And if you have your if you have your outline, there's a statement right under the title. John was great, obviously we've seen that, the Lord said he was. So the question I leave you today, as, by way of application as we go through the messages, how can I be like John? That's what I want you to ask yourself. How can we be like John? How can I be like John? If John is so great in God's eyes, right? Now we're not John the Baptist, but how can we emulate him in certain ways? How can we be like John? So that's what we'll seek to answer today. And we'll see three things that John did that John does in in these verses that we can model our lives after. And the first one is this, point number one, be pointing to Christ. If you want to be more like John the Baptist, be pointing to Christ. In verses 15 and 16a. Now while the people were in a state of expectation, and all were wondering in their hearts about John, as to whether he was the Christ, stop there for a few moments. So the people were wondering, it says, in verse 15. In verse 15, they were, there was this expectation and the people were wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ. That means they were reasoning within themselves. Now, I will say this, that with careful study of the Old Testament, would have, then they would have known that this was not the Christ, that the forerunner had to come first. Okay, So they, they, they would have known that, but not everybody's carefully studies the Scriptures, okay? But the fact, the fact that it says they're wondering, the fact that they're thinking, that's a great thing. When you think about a crowd of people and they're thinking about Christ, they're thinking about, could this be the, could this be the Christ? And the reason it's such a wonderful thing, beloved, is that, that most of the time, is it not true that most people could care less about these type of things? Most people aren't sitting around considering the things of Jesus Christ. So it's a good thing. You see these people thinking, man, is this the Christ? I mean, what do most people think about? Isn't it a glorious thing when you're around a group of people and their minds on Christ? And you have fellowship with Christ? I mean, most people in our day, even in many churches, the conversation is centered around bank accounts and hobbies and sports and all these things. So it's a great thing when you're when you're around people and, and there's, a, there's a certain thinking, a certain conversation about Christ. And I'm not even necessarily speaking about other Christians. But when you see somebody, it's because it's not a normal thing, right? The Scriptures say we don't seek after God. And so if you if you find those opportunities, like I had an opportunity last week that I mentioned to some of you, family member, and and, and, and she had just been thinking about these things, and so it creates an opportunity to have a conversation with people. So I would encourage you, if you see people... Thinking about spiritual things and and reflecting on these things and asking questions, take advantage of that opportunity that 's one of the glorious things I like about the bus station about preaching outdoors as compared to most places is, is, is the people there's more of a there 's more of a openness to it there 's more of a of a, of a of a interest in the things of God and so that 's what we see here that these people are thinking now even though they should know better the, that this is not the Messiah. Again, the Scriptures were very clear. The prophecies. That the, that, the, that the forerunner had to come first and then the Messiah would come. But it's John's preaching, no doubt. Okay, It's John's preaching and his life that would cause all of this wondering. There was something about John because he was such a holy man. Because his preaching was so powerful that would cause them to even think this. In other words, John... Just like Jesus, he wasn't like the scribes and Pharisees. There is a significant difference in his ministry. He preached obviously, I would have loved to seen John preach, but he, he preached with power, no doubt. He preached with authority, no doubt. We talked about it last week, he preached to the common people, right? with plainness of speech. Powerful but easy to understand. He could relate to the people. The people could relate to Him. So there is something different about John the Baptist than the hypocritical religious leaders of the day. And can I say this to to all of us here, whether whether you're preaching or you're just speaking with people about the Lord, don't try to impress people with big words and flattery words. Guys, just speak truth. Speak truth plainly so people can understand it. You have to remember... That, that, that people outside of the kingdom, outside of Christ, they're in darkness. Okay? They need to, they need to, we need to communicate simply to them so they can understand these things. That was one of the things that John did. He preached with power. He preached with authority. But he preached plainly. Matthew 7.29, speaking of Christ. Because what we see here is John is much like Christ. This was at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon I ever preached probably. By the Lord Jesus Christ, and at the very end it says this, He was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. What a sight that would have been to see the Lord God Almighty preaching on that mountain. And so so John the Baptist, his whole ministry, his whole life was pointing people to Christ. He pointed people to Christ. By being like Christ. We've talked about what a humble man he was. We'll talk about it more today. He was a humble man. He was like Christ. He pointed people to Christ by imitating Christ. By modeling Christ. In his life and in his preaching. True biblical preaching is delivered with authority. And that's no doubt what John did in his preaching. Thus saith the Lord. Right? It's not thus saith my opinion. It's not like, well, let's see, who's here today? Who? Okay, I don't want to offend him. I don't want to offend her. No. should just preach the Word of God like it's written in the Scriptures. John preached with authority. Thus saith the Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, praise God, we've already seen that the crowds were flocking to Him, right? They were flocking to Him by, by God's grace. I mean, God was bringing the people to John. Just like they did Jesus. The crowds flocked to Jesus, many times for the wrong reasons. Many times it was for the food and the healings. But the crowds were flocking to John just like they did Jesus. But also just like Jesus, John wasn't cut up, caught up with man's opinion. He didn't care what man's opinion was, he just preached the truth to the people. And that's what true preaching does. That's what, again, why we, we and it doesn't matter whether you're preaching, but just as a Christian, when you share the truth of God's Word, okay, you're not driven by man's opinion. You don't care what man's opinion is. You want people to hear the truth of God's Word because it's the truth that sets men free. Paul was no different. If you guys remember in Galatians 1.10, he said, if I were still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So it's very very important that we remember that, guys, that we're not here to please people. We're not here to... Now, again, we don't go out and try to make enemies, but we want to, we're here to please God, first of all. So we can model ourselves after John the Baptist. He pointed people to Christ. Last week, we, we looked at... The, the, in the verses above, we looked at some of the things that he preached, right? He, he, said, he warned people to flee from the wrath to come. Right? Very clear. Just like Jesus did. And then he talked about bearing fruit as evidence of repentance. Beloved, all of this is pointing people to Christ. If we're not warning people of the wrath to come, we're not pointing people to Christ. If we're denying the, the reality of God's wrath, we're, we're pointing people away from Christ. We're saying, no, you don't, need, you don't need to worry about wrath to come. Then why would they need a Savior? So John is pointing people to Christ by speaking of things like God's wrath, by speaking of things like true conversion. What is true conversion? True conversion is evidenced by bearing fruit. So these are the things that John preached. All pointing people to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 16, first part of verse 16, it says, John answered and said to them all, so so the question is, is, you know, they're wondering in their hearts about John as to whether he was the Christ. John answered and said to them all, As for me, I baptize you with water. But one is coming who is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to untie a thong of his sandals. So what we see John quickly doing, right, is he dismisses the idea. No, I'm not the Christ. You can see it, I think, in John's Gospel, where some of the religious leaders come to him and he says, No, he says, are you the Christ? No, I'm not the Christ. So he, he quickly refutes that idea because think about what a compliment that would be, right? I mean, to be, to be asked the question, hey, are you the Messiah? <laughs> what a compliment. What a compliment. And of course, you don't have to answer this, but how would you handle that question? Man, our pride could easily be elevated. Wow, people think I'm the Messiah? No, he says, absolutely not. I'm a messenger. That's all I am. You know, and you got to be careful with that, guys. Just as a Christian, if you're if you're even halfway faithful and obedient, you'll have people make comments like that. Man, you're such a godly man. You're such a godly woman. And again, there's nothing wrong with telling somebody they're godly or or receive. But 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 when somebody tells you that, guys, just just understand this, and this is just for yourself. This is just for yourself. To protect you from pride, just humbly recognize when somebody tells you that, that you're not. <laughs> we're not. There's nothing great about us. I understand the statement. I've told people that, that I respect. But when somebody just tells you how great you are, what a great woman of a God, what a great man of God, just realize we're not great. And that, that's what John realized. Any greatness in him, right? It had been bestowed upon him. It had been given to him. What a privilege... To, to represent Christ, to point people to Christ, and that's all we are. There's nothing great about us. Christ is great. No, he said, I baptize you with water. That's all I do. I'm just the messenger. I baptize you with water. In other words, what's he, what's he saying by this when we get into this text? He said, I can exhort you to repent. Right? That was his message. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Bear fruits and Keeping with repentance. That was his message. I can exhort you to repent, and I can even assure you from the scriptures that that you're forgiven if you do. Okay, we do have the authority to do that, as Christians, just like John. We can say, if you repent and believe in Jesus Christ, your sins will be forgiven. And so John could do that. He had the authority to do that. And then he could also baptize them with water as a visible sign to everybody of your cleansing. That, that's what his role was, and that's what he's saying. That's that's what I'm doing. That's all I can do. But listen, he's saying I can't cleanse your sin. I can't cleanse your sin. It's like uh, Dominique at the bus station a few several a few months ago, when he, his sister had a baby, and he come running up to me right when we got there. He said, "Brother, or he said Brady, can you come over here and give." meet my sister's newborn and give it like some holy holy blessing (laughs) or something. (laughs) Like I could do anything for the baby. But it's just the idea, guys. We can't do anything like that. Only Christ can. John said, hey, I'm here to baptize with water. Oh, but there's one much greater than I. We'll get into that here in a minute. But he's saying, I can't cleanse your sin. But my whole point of being His messenger and the forerunner, my preaching... And my ministry is to preach Christ. That's why I'm here. I'm not the Christ. I'm here to preach Christ. I'm here to boast of Christ. It's no different with us guys. That's the way our mentality should be. Hey, we're here to preach Christ today to you. I'm here to point you to Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here. That's what John the Baptist was saying. That's why I'm here. And then I'm ready to fade off the scene. Let Him increase. Let me decrease. In other words, John's saying I can point you to your need for cleansing by preaching repentance, by preaching on sin, by preaching on the wrath of God. I can help you see, obviously by God's help, your need for spiritual cleansing, which is what the water represents. That's my job. And that's all I can do. But like, I can't cleanse you. So don't mistake me for the Messiah. Like the Apostle Paul, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ is Lord. That was John. You know, I've even received, you you receive questions like that. Anytime you're involved in any type of public ministry. Hey, how many souls did you save today? I didn't save anybody. (laughs) And that's not my job. We preach, we plant, we water, and then we what? We trust to God to bring the increase. We trust God to bring the growth. So it's not our our cleverness. It's not our ability. It's not our ability to preach. None of that. We're not great, guys. We just communicate the truth. We water the truth. Plant the truth. We water the truth. We plant the truth. We water the truth. And we pray for the Lord to bring the growth. We recognize our place. But he says, One mightier than I. One mightier than I. He says in verse 16, One is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. Beloved, in this day, in this culture, a student would follow his teachers, humbly serving him. They literally did everything for him, but untie his sandals. There is a second... Uh, or there was an ancient rabbi who quoted, this is a quote from an ancient rabbi. He said, every service which a slave performs, which a slave performs for his master, shall a disciple do for his teacher except the loosing of his sandal thong. In other words, that was too far. That's going too far. It was a degrading thing, in other words, for somebody to do that but John, listen to what John's saying I'm not even worthy to do that I'm not even worthy to do this thing that's a degrading thing that's such a lowly thing I'm not even worthy to untie that's the, that's the humility John is expressing here <laughs> and they're asking him are you the Christ? He's like are you kidding me? I'm not even worthy to be his slave. That's the point. That's the point of that statement. I'm not even worthy to be his slave. And you're asking me if I'm the Christ. Mm. Beloved, this was a mighty preacher, John the Baptist, and this was a humble man. That's why I entitled the message We Need More Johns. Do we not? We need more men and women like John. Who 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 can just forget about themselves. And everything we do is meant to point others to Christ. No matter what God has us involved in, no matter what kind of ministry and our personal lives, it's not about me. It's about Christ. And that'll enable us to that'll enable us to 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 be able to cast away fear. You know what fear of man really is? It's pride. What are they gonna think of me? Who cares? You just, just throw it down. It's all about him. It's all about Christ. That's what John was focused on. We need more Johns. You know what's even more amazing about this? Jesus Christ, he was the worthy one, right? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. He's worthy to receive praise from all of creation because he's the creator. That one who is worthy of all worship and praise became our servant. He became our servant, beloved. And He gave us a picture even in His Word with His disciples by washing their feet, which would have entailed unlacing their sandals as well. What a picture that was. What a picture that was of servanthood. What a picture that was of humility. And we know the verse, right? Matthew twenty twenty eight. He came not to be served, but to serve. Yes, what a great picture it was of his, of his servanthood to wash His disciples' feet. Oh, but his ultimate, his ultimate act of service is that He would give His life as a ransom for many. Not only would He clean His disciples' filthy feet, but He would give His life as a ransom for many to cleanse filthy souls like us. My soul was much more filthy... than. Filthier than my feet ever have been. (laughs) We think of the filthiness of our sin. And Jesus died to cleanse us from our sin. Beloved, So, point number one. Like John, we must point others to Christ, right? Who alone can save. We can't save anybody. But we point others to Jesus Christ. Secondly, how can I be like John? Be preaching like John. First point, be pointing to Christ. Actually, that, the, the, the uh, second point, my wife got it, got it wrong here. I may have had it written down wrong. In my notes, it's right. It's actually be preaching like Christ. So it's, so it's be, be pointing to Christ. I gave her, I gave her my uh, little notepad to write it. And I may have had it written down wrong. I've got it in my notes right. I know that. But it's supposed to be be pointing to Christ and they be preaching like Christ. Okay? So everything's Christ in here. So, so just note that if you have an outline, it's supposed to be be preaching like Christ. But the point is, is John preaches like Christ. So, 16b. 16b. He said, I'm not, I baptize you with water, but there's one who is coming who is mightier than I. I'm not able, I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 16b. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I just want to say a few things about this to help us understand. Understand. John's saying, hey, I baptize you with water, okay? But there's one coming. And understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit as spiritual, right? It's not just water. It's spiritual. So a few verses to help us understand this spiritual baptism. First of all, in Ephesians 1.13, in Him you also, Paul says, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed... You were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay? We receive the Holy Spirit when we believe the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? We we receive the Spirit. Listen to some other scriptures on baptism, guys. Because the scriptures speak about baptism much more than just water baptism. But listen to it. And remember what the word means. It means immersed. It means immersed. Paul says in Romans 6, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, immersed into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into His death, immersed into His death. All of this happens at conversion. Therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism into His death, so that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. This baptism into Christ. This baptism into His death. This baptism with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.13 For by one Spirit. Okay, here's, here's, here's one of the clear scriptures that talk about being baptized. What it means to be baptized by the Spirit. For by one Spirit we were all baptized, immersed into one body. See, all these different references to baptism. Spiritual baptism. Because the word just simply means immersed. We're immersed into Christ. We're immersed into the Spirit of God. We're immersed into the death of Christ. We're immersed immersed into the body of Christ. The Spirit of God baptizes us into one body. We are all made to drink of one Spirit. The point is, this is all spiritual language as compared to water. The baptism that John was there to baptize with. He said, "I, I, I can baptize you with water and that's it. Jesus Christ will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Ezekiel 36.27, the promise of the new covenant that we looked at last week. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. So Jesus Jesus does not just simply baptize with water. He baptizes with the spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now there's three interpretations of this. Okay, that I wanted to share all three real quick. And all three are true in a sense, but which one is John specifically talking about in this text? The first one would be, the first uh, possible interpretation we would see in Acts chapter 2 the, of what this fire is. Acts 2, verses 2 through 4. Acts 2, verse 2 through 4. This is the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered, gathered in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. This is a visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit coming upon these people on the day of Pentecost. A visible manifestation. This happened a few other times in the book of Acts. This visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And it happened at certain points in Acts chapter 8. When the Samaritans believed, the same thing, the visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit fell upon them just like it did the Jews on the day of Pentecost. And in Acts 10, when the Gentiles believed, there is a visible manifestation of the Spirit falling upon them. God demonstrating that He's saving these different groups of people in the same way and they too receive the Holy Spirit. Now much of verse, and, and I just want to make this point real quickly because it's not the point of the message. But the book of Acts, when we see, when we see visible manifestations of the Holy Spirit like this, in the book of Acts, we have to remember that when we read the book of Acts, Acts is largely, not completely, but it's largely descriptive and not prescriptive. That means it's just describing what happened, not what should happen all the time. When you go to the epistles, the epistles are primarily, not all the time, but primarily prescriptive because they're written to churches. This is what should happen in a church. That's just how we, we have to we have to remember what what we're reading when we read the Word of God. And so Acts is primarily, not always, most of the time, descriptive, not prescriptive. It's what happened, not what should happen. The epistles, most of the time, are, is what should happen. Okay? It's prescribing something for us to do. So that helps. Because if not, we can get off on all kinds of stuff. We can expect these things to be normal. Like, if we're full of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be like visible manifestation of fire coming down. Okay, but that is, obviously that's in the text. So that, that is a true, that is a, something that really did happen. But is that what John's speaking about? Another interpretation or possibility in Zechariah thirteen nine, And I will bring the third part through the fire, refining them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. Simply meaning, and this is something that is true in the scriptures. That the Holy Spirit working in the souls of believers as fire, right? Sanctifying them, purifying them, purging them, purging our sin. The Holy Spirit does do that, but is that what John is speaking of here? There's a third, there's a third possibility, which I think is what he's referring to, and I think we'll be able to see it in the context of what's happening here. So again, both of those are true. Both of those We're true at a certain time. Obviously, the Holy Spirit does, especially the second one that in our lives all the time, it's sanctified. He's purging us. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. But number three is that this fire equals judgment. When He says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Simply the fact that fire equals judgment here in this verse. He is the Judge, in other words, as well as the Savior. So those who are baptized with the Spirit, those who are baptized with the Spirit, those who are immersed with the Spirit receive the gift of eternal life that Ezekiel 36 talks about. So what I think here is going on, what most commentators that I read think is going on when he's talking about being baptized by the Holy Spirit and fire. It's an either or. You're either baptized with the Holy Spirit or you're going to be baptized with fire. You don't want to be baptized with fire. Remember what baptism means. It means to be immersed. Those baptized with the fire will be immersed into the wrath of God when it's poured out. That's the baptism that He's speaking of here. Eternal fire. And I think we can see it in the context both before and after this verse. In verse 9, that we looked at last week. Most of the time, when the scriptures speak about fire, it's speaking about judgment. And, that, and we have it right here in this text. In verse 9, indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the tree, so every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into what? The fire. And then the very next verse in verse 17. The very next verse, he says, His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn the chaff with what? Unquenchable fire. In other words, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who repent. We have two groups of people here throughout this text here. He gives the Holy Spirit to those who repent and He gives judgment to those who don't. I think that's all that the fire means. So the question is, have you been baptized with water? First of all, right? If we make a profession of faith, we're to be baptized with water. I think all of you have. I mean, that's our first step of obedience. We come to Christ. We're baptized. But how about the Spirit? That's even more important. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Not just have you been immersed with water. Have you, have you been immersed with the Spirit? How do you know you've been immersed with the Spirit? Because there's going to be evidences of the Holy Spirit in your life. What does it say? Who bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God? The Holy Spirit. That's why it's never. I am to never tell somebody, yes, you're saved. No, I'm to tell somebody how they can be saved. If you'll repent and believe upon Christ, you can be saved. It's the Holy Spirit's job to bear witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And He does that. And you know it. You know it. How about this? Are you on the baptismal record? There's many people that are on some kind of baptismal record sitting in churches. I had multiple people tell me that at the bus station the other day. They come by. Part of the enthusiastic crowd, hey, thanks for being out here. Yes, praise God, I know I'm right with God. How do you know? I was baptized. That answer is so common. Many claim this. But how about the Lamb's Book of Life? Are you in, the, are you in that book? That's more important. So, that's, a, that's what I see with the baptism of the, of the, of the Spirit and fire. Um, just because of the context mainly. It fits. It, it, it flows. John is preaching like Christ to our second point. If we want to be like John, let's be preaching like Christ. John is preaching like Christ. So should we, Right? In these two different ways, He promised the Holy Spirit. In other words, to those who believe, beloved, we need to do that when we're sharing the gospel with people. Promise them, or, or, or I mean, share with them what God promises. He won't just forgive your sin, but there's new life in Christ. He'll He'll give you His Holy Spirit. He can set you free from sin. That's the whole promise of the New Covenant language in Ezekiel and other places that we looked at. That it's a new birth. It's We're now born of God. We have a Spirit indwelling us. You're not going to be the same if you come to Christ. So use whatever language you want to use. Baptized with the Spirit. Sealed with the Spirit. Immersed with the Spirit. But God promises that all who come to Him will receive His Spirit. Now we're to be filled with the Spirit continually as we yield ourselves to Christ. As we yield ourselves to His Word. We're to be led by the Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit of God. But He's going to manifest it in our lives. Not by craziness, but by holiness. He he promised the Holy Spirit in His preaching. Jesus did, and John's doing it. And then He also promises eternal judgment. That's the two. Jesus will baptize with the Spirit for those who come to Him, but He promises to baptize with fire for those who don't. So after the harvest, beloved, in verse 17, here, here we have this language, this farming language, right? His, it says his winnowing fork. And see again, it just fits with the, the judgment. This is all about judgment for those who don't repent. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will be but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, just like Psalm 1, right? The chaff's going to be blown away into judgment, the wicked into judgment. And so the picture here is after the harvest, the grain was dumped onto a hard, flat floor. That's that threshing floor. And then tossed into the air with the with the fork, his winnowing fork. And then the wind, the wind would blow the lighter chaff away, right? And and the and the and the, the wheat would fall to the floor because it was heavier. And what would happen to the wheat? It would fall to the ground after the chaff blew away. The wheat would fall to the ground and be gathered into the barn, which is a representation of heaven that we read about. We'll look at it again in Matthew 13. These are those who are immersed with the Spirit. Those who are baptized with the Spirit of God are going to be gathered into the barn. This is God's people. That's the identification mark that you're a child of God is that you possess His Holy Spirit. It's really simple. But what's going to happen to the chaff? It will be burned up. Why? Because it is immersed with the fire. Baptism of fire from the Lord Jesus Christ. Unquenchable fire, which is hell. Matthew 13. I'm not going to read that entire account that Shiloh read to us. But you don't don't have to flip there, but Matthew 13, 30. Again, John is preaching like Christ preached. So if we want to be like John, let's be preaching like Christ. So we can hear very similar language in in Jesus in the parables here in Matthew 13, verse 30. He said, this is the wheat and the tares allow both to grow together until when the harvest and then in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then verse 40-43, through 43, So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth His angels. They will gather out of the kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Beloved, how can you be like John? How can you be like Christ? Preach the new birth, right? That you must be born again. That's when the Holy Spirit come in and dwells you. He makes you brand new. You are born into God's kingdom, into God's family. You must preach this. And you must preach eternal judgment. You don't neglect either one of them. In verse 18, it says, So with many other exhortations, He preached the gospel to the people. I love the way the NAS and the ESV says this. I, I think, because I try to look at you know, some of the more common, the better English translations, the King James, the New King James. The NAS, the ESV. The New King James and the King James, I believe it just uses the language exhortations. The NAS adds the really, it's just further clarification. So with many other exhortations, he preached the gospel to the people. I think the ESV, the good news. But the point is, is John the Baptist preached Christ. That's the point. That's what the exhortation was. The Lamb of God, right? Who came to take away the sin of the world. Says he's preaching the good news with many other exhortations he preached the gospel to the people so we didn't hear everything that John preached in other words it's just what's recorded in scripture but he preached Christ listen to the similarities in in their preaching Jesus and John right? John 3.16 and listen, listen listen to the balance here this is Jesus for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish right? that's the promise but we'll have eternal life In other words, those who don't believe will perish in this place. That baptism of fire, that eternal judgment. And then John the Baptist said in John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. There it is, good news. For those who believe, but whoever does not believe shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You see their balance in their preaching? We must preach judgment we must preach Christ we must preach there's one way to escape the judgment and that's faith in Christ and it's the judgment beloved that's again it says he continued to preach with many other exhortations he preached the gospel to the people it's the judgment language that makes the good news so good when people actually understand what they're being saved from and why they need to be saved because of their sin Charles Spurgeon says this. Again, point number two, just this whole be, be preaching like Christ. Right? Christ pointed people to Himself. John pointed people to Christ. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. He said, The motto of all true servants of God must be, We preach Christ and Him crucified. He says, No Christ in your sermon, sir? Then go home and never preach again until you have something worth proclaiming. Right? Right? If I'm not going to preach Christ, guys, run me out of here. Find somebody that will. You want to be like John? Then be preaching like Christ. And what did Christ say? Come to me. Christ didn't say, hey, go to the law. It can save you. No, come to me. I can save you. What did Christ say? I am the living water. Are you thirsty? Then come to me. I can satisfy. I am the bread of life. Are you hungering today after righteousness, then come to me. I will satisfy. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm the light of the world. Are you in darkness? Come to me. I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. Pointing people to Christ. That's what Christ did Himself. That's what John did. So if we want to be like John, right? If we want to be like John, be pointing people to Christ, be preaching like Christ, and lastly, Be persecuted for Christ. Be persecuted for Christ. In Verses 19 and 20. But when Herod the Tetrarch was reprimanded by him because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and because of all the wicked things which Herod had done, Herod also added this to them, he locked John up in prison. No doubt, beloved, John was a fearless and bold preacher of righteousness. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. I think that's very easy to see. That it doesn't matter who, he was not intimidated by leaders. You know, it's real easy to get intimidated by people with authority. It really is. We have to really trust in Christ. We have to really remember who we are. Because it's easy to be intimidated by powerful people, not John. It didn't matter if it was the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees. These were powerful men. And what did he say last week? You you snakes. Who who warned you to flee from the Ratican? He wasn't intimidated by Herod either. He says he reprimanded him. The language is he did it more than once. Not just one time. Now he preached with boldness. He preached with authority. A preacher of righteousness. You want to know one of the indications, beloved, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit? The Scripture is very clear. Acts 5.31 they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak of the, wor- the Word of God with boldness. That's one of the key evidences that a person is filled with the Spirit, that you preach the Word of God with boldness. Obviously, John was filled with the Spirit, even in his mother's womb. <laughs> but we, we see just this bold man who is fearless because of his love for Christ, guys. Because of his love for Christ. So in verse 19. So the setting here is Herod divorced his wife and married his sister-in-law, which was actually his niece. With a little bit of extra reading. It was the daughter of another one of his brothers. So he had adultery and incest here. And so John said, no, that's not right. That's not right. And then verse 20. It said Herod also added this to them. He locked up John in prison. And uh, real quickly, guys, you can turn there if you'd like because it it really just helps to get a little more clarity in this picture because I think we all know that's not all that happened to John that he was locked up in prison. He eventually, they had his head removed. And so Matthew 14, verses 1 through 12. I just want to read these real quick. Just take a moment. It gives a little further clarity of of the story here. It says, at that time Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus. And he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. So he actually so he actually thought just the opposite. He thought, hey, this is John the Baptist. They were thinking that John was Jesus. He's thinking that Jesus is John. Anyway. For when Herod had been arrested, or, or for when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod, so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Having been prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist." Although he was grieved, the king commanded it be given because of his oaths and because of his dinner guests. He sent and had John beheaded him in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and reported to Jesus. So, this wicked tetrarch, this ruler, Herod, first of all we see in verse 5 in Matthew And that Count Matthew, he's a coward, right? He was afraid of what the crowds would think. He's a coward, he feared the crowd. And beloved, really in closing, you you see the cowardice of Herod. You can we're not going to turn there, but I know in multiple occasions there were times where the Pharisees would fear what the crowds would think, what the people would think. Pilate feared the crowd. You see, a common theme with these powerful leaders, they're fearful, they're cowards. Unlike John. Unlike John, because he was there to please God, not man. I love, I love Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen? Amen. And you and I can be righteous because of our hope we have in Christ. Because of the Holy Spirit. That is, or we can be bold. We can be bold because of the presence of the Spirit. I'm a very timid person. In my natural, just naturally speaking, mean, it takes the Holy Spirit. And so it's true for so many people, so many of God's people that outside of Christ, fearful, timid, but praise be to God, He gives us a spirit, He gives us a hope, right? Because we have hope. You know, our hope's not in this life. Our hope's not in this body. What did Jesus say? Don't, don't fear them. They kill your body. No fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So, like Rocky would say, if you want to be a milk toast preacher, right? (laughs) He would be. He would be giving me the grunt right now, the amen grunt. If you want to be a milk toast preacher, right? If you want to tickle ears, guess what? You're going to be applauded. You'll be applauded in this world. God says you have your reward too. No, Jesus warns not to be a milk toast preacher. Luke six twenty six. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. And that goes for any of us guys, but especially those who preach the word of God. Woe to you when men, all men, speak well of you. It's okay for men to speak well of you, but when everybody's speaking well of you, no, when you preach the law of God, like Jesus did in Matthew seven and other places, Matthew five through seven. When you preach the law of God, which reveals man's sin, when you preach man's sin, when you preach on eternal hell, when you preach that there's only one way to heaven, that it's a narrow way, that all the other ways are of the devil, you'll be persecuted. You will lose popularity. You will lose prestige. You will lose love from the world. But, beloved, guess what? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I know you guys want to hear this, and this is what I want to hear. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Think about John the Baptist. Think about his life. Think about his. He didn't jive with the world. (laughs) He pointed out the sin of adultery and incest, and it resulted, and he had his head chopped off. He ate bugs and wild honey. Like Joshua said, he probably dipped the bugs in the honey. (laughs) But this was the man he was. And God says, this man is great. That's what we want to emulate. That's what we want to model. Maybe not the camel's hair and that type of stuff. But the, 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 the fearlessness, the love for his Savior, the love for Christ is what we see here. The humility in his life. I'm not even worthy to be this man's slave. That's that's what we see, guys. I want to be like John. We need more Johns. We don't need more celebrity preachers. We need more John the Baptist. We need more ladies that are like John. What does that mean? Just simply be humble. Speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. I want to be like John because John was consumed with what? He was consumed with an audience of one. That's all he cared about. That's all men like Paul cared about. I'm here to preach Christ. My reputation means nothing. He was consumed with pleasing an audience of one. The one who said, or the one he spoke of in John 1.29, the Lamb of God. That if we were going through John's Gospel, he saw Him coming, right? He saw Him coming. There He is. Behold, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. That was John's focus, beloved. That's what made him great. I don't even want to end this sermon because it basically ends us looking at John. And I love John. But if you want to be, if you want to be like John, beloved, if you want to know what made John great, it was Christ. That's what made John great. Christ and Christ alone. So we'll just end there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before Your throne, God, and we are so thankful, God, for Your Word. Father, we're so thankful in Your Word that, that, that a life of a man named John the Baptist is recorded here in Your Word. God, what an what a example he was. What a hero he was. The one whom You chose out of all the men. You chose this man. This, this rough, Man, God, the simple man, this man who was not afraid to declare the truth no matter who was around him. And Lord, this man that we can see just a little bit that we have of his life was such a humble man. So Father, I just ask You, Lord, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, God, that You would help us to be like John because John sought to be like Christ. So Father, ultimately, ultimately, like every day of our lives, God. We want to be more like Christ. Father, help us to be like Christ, Lord. Help us to preach like Christ, God. Whether we're called to preach to public audiences, Lord, but to to preach, to communicate the Word of God, to teach our children, to teach anybody that you put in our life, God, but to do it like Christ. To do it with truth, to do it without compromise, to do it plainly, and to do it with love. To do it with gentleness, but God, to do it with with courage. Father, we love You. We praise You. We praise You for Your dear Son, Lord. We praise You for the, the forerunner that You sent. We praise You for Your Word, God. We love You. In Jesus' name, Amen.